this is Carrie Peters and Stacey Morgenstern and welcome to Better Than Ever, a Health Coach Institute podcast where we're here to question how we do life because the normal rules no longer apply. Hello, Better Than Ever podcasters. Hannah Duncan here with founder and owner of Great NOLA, Erica Lou Williams. Erica, thank you for joining us today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm doing well. So I just want to know, you know, you're a Stanford grad. Did you know when you went into school that you would be an entrepreneur? Absolutely not. So it's kind of funny. Growing up, I kind of had like this straight and narrow path. I actually swam in college. And so when I went to Stanford, I went on a scholarship for swimming. And this was also kind of around, you know, the next tech boom, Facebook and all these startups were popping up everywhere. And so naturally, I started a career in tech. And I remember in, I don't know, 2010 or 2011, I had a new boss, you know, a marketing director. And one of the first kind of like one-on-ones he had with all of his direct reports, he wanted to just get to know us as young professionals personally and professionally and ask like, Hey, are you, you know, I want to know what your goals are. Are you the type that like wants to become a CMO one day, or do you want to be an entrepreneur? And I remember my, my first response to that was, no, I'm not the entrepreneurial type. Thinking back on that, I think I've always remembered that because it's crazy how your path just kind of changes by chance. But going in, I've never would have considered myself the entrepreneurial type. So what was your degree in? uh, Um, If you don't mind me asking. Communication at Stanford. So I did my bachelor's and I did my master's there, but it was, they will say full disclosure is fully an athlete uh, major. (laughs) (laughs) With your communications degree, what was that original plan for you? I knew I wanted to do something more, I would say, businessy or fuzzy, right? So I knew I wasn't technical. I wasn't going to get into math or science or coding. I actually did start my career as a product manager in tech. And then eventually I realized, hey, you know, marketing is something that really intrigued me. You know, how do you convey and communicate benefits of a product or service to the audience and get people to want it? And so that's where I would say I spent most of my young career in tech focused on. But I think really quickly I learned I don't really like being stuck in a box. And I kind of found my space to create with Great NOLA. So was a definite turning point in that former career that that brought you to Great NOLA? Yes, yes. And actually, when you say former, I actually still have a full-time job working in tech. Just putting it out there, I'm going to make the leap really soon, you know, hopefully by the end of the year, there was a turning point. And I think it was the combination of two things. So number one, you know, a couple years out of college, I started seeing a lot of my other classmates from Stanford start their own companies. And some of them were tech, some of them were consumer products like chubbies or like shorts or retail stuff. And that was really, I think, motivating to just see other people, especially people who I would have never pinned to be the entrepreneurial type do their own thing, you know, like be fearless and kind of take the leap and create something that they wanted to create that would bring value to others as well as themselves. And then secondly, being in tech, I've worked in a startup in the past that had a successful exit. And that really made me realize that life doesn't have to be so linear, right? I used to think, oh, you know, I'm not happy with this pay. And well, I can only expect like a 3% raise for the rest of my life. And if you compound that and maybe you jump jobs, like eventually you'll get to here, but then you're kind of like doing, you're doing that forever, right? For me, it's like, I want to be able to kind of control my own destiny. 
I love being able to build and create something and put my stamp on something. And so I had the entrepreneurial itch for a while before I actually figured out what I wanted to do. But that came sort of when I noticed just other people kind of doing this for themselves. What inspired you to start creating this cleanse-friendly granola? Were you already making this at home? Was this something that you thought up and were like, I, I need to market this and sell this? Or what, what inspired you to even start? Yeah, that's, it's, a, it's a funny question as well, because I wouldn't say that um, I was even a huge granola maker prior to doing great Nolas. My husband and I are both very active. We're both former Stanford athletes and we try to eat very healthily. And every year after Super Bowl, we do an annual cleanse where we eliminate, you know, common allergens, we eliminate refined sugars, we eliminate GMOs. And year after year, we would find ourselves craving like a crunchy, carby, sweet snack. And this is like back in 2010, 2011, before all these better for you brands kind of came to market. I think the only one back then that we even knew about was Kind. But we got kind of tired of just having to resort to fruit to get like a cleanse-friendly, sweet, crunchy snack. And I was literally watching Food Network and I saw Alton Brown doing a recipe of granola on TV. And that's what inspired me to create my own because I was like, hey, well, oats, I can do oats because they don't have wheat. But, you know, typically most granolas have a lot of just refined sugar in it or genetically modified oils. And so I just for, I created my own formula and instead used organic coconut oil. And instead of adding refined sugar, I used stevia and honey only. So nothing was refined. And I started making this granola and it was like our favorite snack during the cleanse. And that could be validated by Tank because Tank's my husband, by the way, because he's from Mississippi. He's from the South. And I would say that granola is not a very popular staple down there. And even when we would stop the cleanse, he would still ask, ask me to make it. So I was actually making this granola prior to my entrepreneurial itch. And then I think I had the itch, the entrepreneurial itch for like six months or so. I kind of thought, what am I going to do? Like what tech, tech product or what startup am I going to start? Because I've always been in tech. And then I finally had this epiphany where I was like, hey, I have this really great product. It just happens to be a food product. It's not something I can find in stores. I can't find granolas that taste this good, that have this kind of ingredient profile in stores. What would it take for me to start a business out of it? And that's what inspired me to actually like take it to market. What was the first step? You've now made this decision. What did you do first? I think I immediately kind of gravitated towards, okay, my test is going to be the farmer's market. Like my, my first thing that I wanted to kind of validate is will other people besides my friends and family like my granola as much as we do felt, you know, what's the best way to access like a local community or people, a farmer's market, you already have traffic there. As soon as I kind of started doing like preliminary research on like what it would take to get to a farmer's market, I set a date. It was totally arbitrary. I was like, okay, like three, three months, like this is when I want to launch in a market. And I kind of worked backwards from there. And just every day it was just like checklist, you know, like hustle, get on phone calls, figure out what forms I need to fill out or what I need to do. And then of course I had to actually create an actual formula from my recipe. Cause of course when I was making it at home, it wasn't really like by paper or specifically measured, had to come up with other, you know, other flavors to have. Um, I had to figure out my marketing and my branding and my name. Um, but it's kind of similar to what I hope is the case for my future in taking the leap full time. It's, you know, I said, Hey, I'm going to set a date. I'm going to do this by then. And you just work backwards. 
So what was that first farmer's market trip like? Was it, uh, were you nervous? It was, yeah, it was so funny. I remember um, I, I think my mom, my husband, and one of my really good friends helped me. So it was like four of us. And I remember waking up super nervous. I, you know, I'm like fretting over like, oh, is this the right price? Should I raise it by a dollar? You know, you, or you can't go up once you like set it. But it was great. It's kind of, it's like a cute story, right? It's just like, okay, I did a farmer's market. I sold 32 bags. Awesome. Like, that's great. <laughs> And then that's when it's like, okay, we'll just keep doing it every single week. And I had, I really had no plan. You know, I, I knew I had a great product and I think I validated that really quickly because people would come back and you get that immediate feedback. But I really, I didn't have a plan. And are you, you've established a bit of a customer base through the farmer's market. What happened next for you? It's funny because again, I think when, when I started a business and I, I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs kind of start similarly, unless you've started other companies or businesses in the past, but I, I really didn't have any clue of what I was doing, but I knew I had a good product. I knew I had passion and I had the determination that I got to make this work. But again, I didn't really know outside of, Hey, I'm going to do the farmer's market. And Hey, my goal is to one day be a brand that's like in whole foods, right? That's, that's all I knew. I knew kind of like an endpoint, and I knew where I was now, but I didn't really have a strategy as like, what's the best way to get there. But having a career in tech, it just happened that one of my friends who worked at Google saw that I launched my business on Facebook and she offered to introduce me to the food team there. And so I am in a bit of a unique position in the Bay Area with all these you know, big tech companies who are always looking for the best, healthiest, tastiest snacks to feed their employees for free that I got an opportunity to basically get voted into Google's micro kitchens. So pretty shortly after I launched the business at the first farmer's market in June of 2013, I participated in Google's annual snack fair. And basically by the end of the year, so this is the end of 2013, I found out that I was actually going to start officially supplying Google. And so that's what enabled me to really kind of turn this from like, okay, it's a cute little side passion project that she does every single week at the market to, okay, shoot, we need to like actually produce thousand a thousand pounds of granola every month and so it that kind of forced me to kind of scale a little bit so, so are you still producing all of this at home too oh a yeah thousand pounds of granola no, 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 a no, month no, no. okay <laughs> yeah. wow so when I, yeah when I started everything was out of my home kitchen and it was literally me at work working nine to five taking the train home just going straight home to bake a batch every single night. And then, you know, by Thursday or Friday, I had enough granola for the market and I would hand pack it. And then Saturday, I'd be ready to go to the market. Eventually, I moved into a commercial kitchen just because it was a little bit more efficient because I, I only had one oven. It's the same story. I would bark or I'd take the train and I would go straight to the commercial kitchen, bake, bring that stuff home, pack it, you know, before the weekend. When Google placed their first order, it was 1,400 pounds. And granted, I still had my full-time job. I had to find a way to outsource that fast. And <laughs> that was definitely a struggle. They had their first purchase order that they probably wanted two months before I was actually able to fulfill it because I had to figure out how to manufacture it through a third party, which is what we call a co-packer. How did you find these people and how many people did you have to hire in order to get this first batch out? And is this something oh, yeah. that you could temporarily do? Or were you like, you're full time, we're hiring you, this is your job now? It was. It's really hard to find a co-packer in the industry. It's not like these folks go out and market themselves on Yelp or on the web. Typically what they do is they produce their own lines, like maybe they're a caterer, or maybe they have a different food product and they have the infrastructure, the equipment and the facility to take on 
someone else's product. Of course, they have to sign an NDA. They might manufacture other products to help keep their lights on. I found my co-packer through like a sixth or seventh degree connection, and it just took tons and tons and tons of networking. And I only actually landed on two options. So was that hard to sort of let this go and let somebody else do it? Because this is, this is your like baby that you've been working on and you're letting somebody else make your recipe. How was that? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was, it's, it was definitely scary because of course it's like, okay, you, you sign, you know, an NDA, but they have your formula. But of course it took a bit of oversight and handholding in the beginning to make sure that things were perfect because of course I wasn't going to let my product go out unless it was exactly how I expect it to be from making it on my own in a commercial kitchen or at home. What did your friends and family think? Like you're still working full time. You've got this side business that you were just, not just, but you were at the farmer's market weekly and now you've got this huge purchase from Google. What, what did they think? Were they excited or or did they think it was maybe a phase or something? My parents probably were like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you know, it's a project, right? And it's like, oh, Google's a great win. But I think they're always just supportive of whatever I do. And they know that I work hard and I try to hustle to kind of, when I put my mind on something, like I usually try to achieve that. I think the impact is more like my, my siblings who, who actually work in tech because that's what everyone does in the Bay Area of California. And I think they realize actually like what it means to be supplier of Google because they've been to those campuses, they know people who work there. And it's so funny how I've met people at Google. And when they find out that I'm like the owner of Great Nola, or I'm like the creator of Great Nola, they're like, Oh, my God, I thought you were like this huge brand. But really, I was just like a one I still am a one woman show that just started in the farmer's market. And when you guys tried me for the first time, I was still making that at home. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, I mean, Google is a huge like booking. I mean, that's, that's what most people like aspire to get. And that was your first really big jump. And, and you, you've done some stuff for us too, and we appreciate it and love your product. Have you expanded at all? Do you have any other team members currently? Are you still working solo along with the co-packer? Are you still solely working with them or do you have more of a team now? It's still me. Um, <laughs> I still have a, a co-packer. So all of my production is outsourced. And again, in food, I think a lot of people kind of go that route because as you can imagine, the startup costs to like own your own facility or hire, you know, staff to do that, however long it would take to produce however much granola needed could be tremendously expensive mm -hmm. since you're not going to have all the operational efficiencies as someone who already has kind of that that process in place and that staff in place. But as far as running the business, it's pretty much 100% me. I have one girl who's a contractor who's helping me with social media. But again, I'm, I'm hoping that once I make that leap full time, my goal is to obviously outsource kind of a lot of the more tactical stuff or the admin stuff so that when I do have suddenly, you know, a lot more time to kind of build and grow the business, I can focus on the most high priority things and the out, you know, the tasks that are a little bit more admin or, or tactical can hopefully already be outsourced. So you did just have a, a, a sort of big thing happen for your company or big, I think it's great. Um, you're now selling your products on Amazon. Oh yeah. No, so exciting. Okay. So Amazon is, it's so funny because I think they, by design, they make it very easy for consumers, right, to get and buy whatever they want. But they make it so hard for vendors and companies to get on. So I think it just takes a lot of persistence. It's so funny. It probably took 
20 or 30 tries and trying to call, you know, help center that really wasn't trying to give you any specific answers. And finally I got quote unquote ungated, which means you actually get to sell on Amazon. And for me, this is a huge win because I think when it comes to food, people don't really go to the the brand's website to buy it. Like I think people will do that for retail or makeup. But when it comes to food, people usually like want to buy that altogether, whether it's at a grocery store, if it's on Amazon, or if it's on Thrive Market. I was really happy and proud that people were going to greatnola.com and buying products directly from my site because that showed how much they love product because I don't think I've ever bought food from an individual manufacturer site. Like I would never go to like kind.com and buy kind bars. I would just, well, obviously I'd just go to the store. I'd go on Amazon. Yeah. But to be on Amazon, I mean, I, you know, I'm just trying to make it easier for my consumers to try the product or get the product. And so it's prime eligible. Um, so it just, it just takes out a lot of kind of that barrier and they also fulfill it as well. So I don't actually have to worry about hand um, packing and shipping everything, which is what I do for my site today. Oh, wow. I, I didn't realize that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. For our entrepreneurs that are sort of in the same line of work as you, what are a couple setbacks that you had when you first began that you sort of learned from that they can learn from? I think that one of the big things is just understanding what your weaknesses are. And number one, just being self-aware of them. And then number two, either working to fix them or finding other solutions, whether it's people who can help you, maybe you just developing your skills to, to get on those right away. So I think in the beginning, I was really not confident with numbers. Like it's just been a while, like being a communication major, it's been a while since I've had to do like really quick math. And like, I think in any business, like you need to just have, you need to be able to be sharp on like your percentages and numbers and your pricing. And that's not something that you can really ignore. And it's not like there were any setbacks, but I just wish that those were things that I, from the beginning focused on a little bit more and not let things intimidate me because they're unknown. So there are certain things that came up where it's like, okay, when Google placed their first order, they asked, what are your palette specs? And I was like, um, I know what a palette is, but what do you mean by palette specs? Like, I, I didn't even know how I was going to package things for Google because I, I, at home I was buying things from Costco or online and I was doing everything by hand and they wanted some different format. And that was something that I think I like procrastinated on and wait, I would, I would be like, I'll, I'll give you that answer in like a month. I'm hang on, I'll give you that in a month. And as, but as soon as you actually just decide, okay, right now I'm going to like figure this out. I'm going to make some phone calls. I'm going to Google it. I'm going to do whatever you need to do to like get the answer. It ends up being so, so, so easy and simple. Um, and I think I kind of end up making, you know, little moles, molehills into mountains because you're just, it seems daunting when you don't know what you're doing. But I think a lot of it is just like the art of the start. You just, you just got to get the ball rolling. You just need to be inquisitive and ask questions and hustle to get the answer. And as soon as you do, you realize, wow, you could have gotten that done so much earlier. Um, and I think that's something that I've learned along the way. And I still find myself um, almost like fearing things that are unknown, but really it's like, you just need to tackle things head on. You're going to find the answer. You're going to come out of it one way or the other. And so you might as well not like waste time and turn this thing into a a bigger than it is um, issue because it usually isn't. That's good advice. Just to jump in to the unknown yeah. uh, <laughs> feet first and go for it. So do you have any advice for somebody 
who is just starting a business and they were in the same position that you were, they have a great idea and something that other people enjoy, but they're really not sure where to start with it. Do you have any advice for those folks? Again, for me, what really helped was just setting a deadline and working backwards. So setting the deadline and sharing it with people, I think just kind of lights that fire under your butt, right? Because you're not only just saying it to yourself internally that you can suddenly reverse when you want to, but it's like, you've actually kind of told the world you've had, you have kind of like an accountability to whoever it is that you shared externally, whether that's like your significant other or a family member, but that's often a trick that I do. (laughs) Sometimes I'll, um, I'll tell my husband, Hey, I'm committing to you. I'm promising you that I'm going to actually, I'm going to eat really healthy today. And just by the very nature of me saying that out loud, I'm like, well, I don't like to break promises. And so I have to do it. So I think sometimes you can like do these little tricks to yourself to kind of like, um, game yourself into doing what you think, doing what you have to do. Um, but I think, you know, if you do that and you still find yourself stuck, I can't tell you how much, um, I've gotten help from other people and how willing people are, especially to help, you know, an entrepreneur who's just starting a business. Um, I had no experience in food. I had no experience starting a food business. Um, Again, questions like, what are your palate specs? I have no idea. Um, And actually a lot of those questions you can't find on, a lot of those answers you can't find on Google. But I think the, the best thing that you can do right away is network and ask people, you know, who, Maybe, maybe they aren't in the industry. Maybe they don't, you don't think they know the answer, but maybe you can ask if they know anyone that might know the answer who might be in the same industry or who might be a little bit further along from where you are, who might be able to help. And you'd be surprised at how willing people are, are, are able to help you. That, that goes along with exactly what we teach in our programs too. Is, oh, good. Yeah. Is be, having accountability and we encourage all of our students to have accountability partners um, and to set those goals and go for it, even if they seem like they're too crazy or too big, like set something up for yourself that you can work towards. Uh, and I think one thing that I'm sure everyone has um, probably experienced if, if you've started, um, you know, your own thing or you have your goals in the beginning, you never, you don't have anything figured out. So expect that to change. And I think one of the biggest learnings Um, that I had that I had to get used to very quickly is nothing moves as fast as you want it to move, right? Other people are not as, you know, working on helping you and your business or like making changes to the industry at the speed that you want. And I am incredibly impatient. And I think that's good because it gives me that sense of urgency and it makes sure that I push and I, I, you know, get things done, but you're not going to be able to change and expect that from everyone else. And so I learned really fast that, especially in food, gosh, it moves really slow. So, you know, it's great to set aggressive goals, but also know like there's a buffer as well. And you should always, you know, you can't always be dissatisfied with like the slowness of the speed at which other people sometimes move because at the end of the day, no one's going to care about, you know, what you need to do as much as you do. Um, and it's great to have that hunger and to be relentless, but at the same time, just know, hey, what you think might take three months may actually take six months, and that's okay. Absolutely. So what is Great Nola's mission? That's a great question. I think brand is something that um, I'm learning as an entrepreneur is so critical um, in everything that we do, because I think you can 
create um, great imagery or a great social media page or a great product, but you have to really know what you stand for. Um, and I think with Great NOLA, um, my mission is really to make everyone hungry for greatness. And so you can, of course, take that in the most literal sense where it's like, okay, yeah, don't be, don't settle for things that are just okay. Like eat things that are great for you, that taste great, that have great ingredients. But I think, you know, it stands for something much bigger than that, which is just being hungry for greatness in everything that you do. So that could be your career. That could be you as a family member. It could be you as a, you know, person in your community. Um, but I fundamentally believe that you can't sustain being the best that you can be and always being the greatest, your greatest self without actually having a healthy foundation first. So Great Nola wants to be able to fuel you with sort of the best, healthiest, best tasting products out there. And they are tasty. I will confirm that. <laughs> uh, so I have to ask, do you have any sneak peeks into future products that we can get yeah. pumped up for? Yeah. So actually, I, this is one of the things that I'm trying not to make into a molehill into a mountain. But um, right now, I only have the original, which is my, my staple flavor, because of course, you know, supplying Google and other tech companies, they, they bring in one flavor. Um, but when I started in the farmer's market, I did have um, two other flavors. So I did have a set of three, but I had to discontinue two of them because I just didn't have the capacity to produce them. And I didn't have, obviously, the demand to produce the other two at the scale of the Googles, et cetera. Um, but I know that, you know, I do want to be, you know, I want to have, uh, I want to build a brand. I want people to, I don't want to just be, um, one granola product. And one day I want to be beyond granola, right? I want to be your healthy 24 seven snack. Um, but I do need to get in the kitchen and, and come up with some, some new flavors. So when I started, I had banana walnut and chocolate bliss and all of them of course are completely clean ingredients. Um, but now that, you know, the, the trends have changed a bit, I don't know if I want to do those anymore. I, I'm kind of thinking about stuff that's a little bit more exotic, like, matcha or mm. goji I don't know yet so um I'm gonna have to play around in the kitchen but um the goal is definitely to have you know a couple more flavors out within the next couple months or by the end of the year for sure well banana walnut sounds delicious to me as do the other flavors <laughs> <laughs> so I look forward to those for sure thank you so much for joining us today and um, letting us know you know sort of your journey with this business we appreciated all the stuff that you've given us at our company and I really really have enjoyed your products and I've enjoyed watching your Instagram page thank it's you beautiful so thank <laughs> you I appreciate it Thank you again, Erica. Any final thoughts? Nope. I am just excited <laughs> to share the story with everyone. And it's really awesome that, you know, I'm speaking to an audience of, of basically of creative entrepreneurs. So yeah. I totally understand sort of the journey and I, I'm sure there's so much that I can learn from your community as well. Well, we, we appreciate this. And this is something different for our community. So I, I know that there's somebody out there that maybe has an idea like this. So just know you can do it. You can still be working, but you can have a successful business that sells a large amount of products to Google. Um, and you can start it up and absolutely do it. And it's okay to start from home and, and then build out from the farmer's market. Totally. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you, Erica, and uh, have a great day. <laughs> thank you, you too. 
If you are listening and you want to purchase something delicious for yourself, you can go to greatnola.com and use the promo code better than ever to get 20% off your purchase. Again, that is great, g-r-8nola.com and the promo code is better than ever. You can also find this delicious treat on Amazon, but the promo code does not apply there. You will need to go to greatnola.com to use the exclusive better than ever podcast promo. For tuning in to Better Than Ever, a Health Coach Institute podcast. For more information on our programs, please go to www.healthcoachinstitute.com. Comment and share if you like what you hear. 